Groceries for the Super Bowl? Yeah, that's where I dropped them off. Yep, right here. All right, so let's see what you got. Got some mac and cheese. Nice. Nice. Some conditioner. And, oh, hey, peanut butter. Check, check. Peanut butter. Peanut butter. Here we go. Red 80, what's up? Yes, sir. Peanut butter, baby. Peanut butter. What we like. Uh, you have anything else? No. Okay, well, thank you for donating. Yeah. How you doing? More mac and cheese? Do you have any peanut butter by chance? No? Okay, thank you for donating. That's uh, the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy. Yeah, praise God, that's pretty cool. Two Super Bowl Sundays ago, uh, our Super Bowl food drive, uh, Brock and Chase Allen, who's in that video, who plays for the Bears now, and Jake Remsburg, who's playing for the Cyclones and grew up in this church. All three of them are heavily involved at Hope Ames in our college ministry uh, up in Ames called Kairos, and they filmed that in our office, our church office there on Lincoln Way. And it was pretty creative. I think it was Brock's idea, actually. He was the one who wanted to talk because he's a quarterback. That's what he does. That's Brock Purdy uh, more recently playing for the 49ers, uh, and the world said, the experts said, the guys who dominate ESPN and FS1 and sports radio said, no way Brock Purdy is going to be a good NFL quarterback. No way. When I say no way in this sermon, I want you to shout back wherever you are. Here in West Des Moines, hello to all of you. Uh, those of you who are at our different locations, and a special hello to our local site in Kansas City. We know this is a big day for you, so, you know, there you go. If you're in Philadelphia and you want to start a local site, I'll hit you too. Uh, that'd be fine. But... Um, I, I want you, wherever you are, when I say no way, you say way. No way! Yeah, yeah. no way, the experts say Brock Purdy's not going to be an NFL quarterback or he won't be a good one. He's drafted last. There's seven rounds if you don't know in an NFL draft. And then there's the guy who gets drafted the very last pick <laughs> of the entire draft. That was Brock Purdy this year, last year, last draft. He was the last draft. They gave him a jersey. How'd you like to be this guy? Jeez Louise. The jersey was a 49ers jersey on the back. Instead of Purdy, it said, Mr. Irrelevant. And then it had his draft pick number, which was the very last. He's the last kid picked on the playground to be in the NFL. No way. No way he's going to make it in the NFL. I better come up with a new phrase. No possibility that he'll be playing in the NFL to any kind of uh, level that, that's worthy of anything, but that's not how it worked out this year. About halfway through the year, the quarterbacks um, who were ahead of him, they didn't even think he'd make the team. He made the team. Everybody's really impressed with him. The experts say he's too short. He doesn't have a good enough arm for the NFL. Good college quarterback, but not NFL worthy. One more time. No way! And then he started playing because there was nobody left to play for the 49ers. And he didn't lose. He didn't lose a game until the NFC Championship against Philadelphia. And the only reason he lost that, okay, I'm biased because he went to Hope. The only, and he's, you know, I'm always biased for Lutherans. The only reason, I don't know if he calls himself a Lutheran, but he was a Hope kid. And the only reason is because he got hurt in that game. Well, that's not the only reason. Philadelphia is really good. But that's Brock Purdy's story. And I was so hoping he'd make the Super Bowl because then I could tell you stories about how deep his faith is about how strong his commitment to Jesus Christ is, about how he's living for something more. But then I realized the quarterbacks for the teams that made it are right where he is. That's Jalen Hurts on the left and Patrick Mahomes on the right. Those of you who know football don't need an introduction. 
Patrick Mahomes is really well known. He's on a trajectory to be considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, probably Hall of Fame if things continue to go well. Who knows how many Super Bowls he could win. He wasn't drafted first either. He was drafted 10th. Chicago Bears had a chance to draft him. <laughs> but we picked Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> who I'm sure is a super guy, super swell guy, just, just, just a wonderful guy. And you know, that's what all the experts said. You got to go with Trubisky. Mahomes is a wild card. He's probably not big enough to make it in the NFL. Mahomes has played five seasons in the NFL. He's been on the team six. He didn't play his rookie year. He didn't get in. The five seasons he's played, he's made the AFC, AFC championship five times. Every Stop it. I'm in pain here because of this. Five times. He's made it to the AFC Championship. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been in other Super Bowls. He'll be in the Super Bowl again today. He's Patrick Mahomes. Wow. Then here's Jalen Hurts, second team all pro this year. Incredible quarterback. Kind of came out of nowhere in a way. He was a starting quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. They're in the national championship game. Roll Tide, right? Here, here they go. It's Jalen Hurts' shining moment. This is what he's been living for his whole life. So the world would say, but it wasn't what he was living for his whole life. He didn't have a good game. He infamously got benched in front of the whole college football world, right in the middle of the game. And then his substitute, whose name is Tua, came in, and he's now the starting quarterback for the Dolphins, took over the game, won, and then Hertz got benched. He transfers to Oklahoma. He did okay, and the experts said, no way he'll be a good NFL quarterback. No way. way. Yeah, he's in the Super Bowl now. So there then. I'm so tired of the experts saying Trubisky. I'm so tired. I'm just tired of the whole thing. <laughs> Much more importantly, let me tell you about what makes these two men tick and a whole lot of the other players on this team. They don't bend a knee in order to get noticed. They do so because it's who they are. When given an opportunity, every opportunity, not just a few reporters, reporters from all over the world, this is a big media hype week. This past week, they asked Mahomes and Hertz. They get a co press conference with them together. And any reporter from all these different places can ask them all these questions. And so, of course, they're the experts. They're peppering with these questions. What could be more important? Your legacy depends on this. Whether or not you could make the Hall of Fame, your career, how people see you, Chiefs Nation, Eagles Nation, victory, championships, Super Bowl trophies. This is what it's all about, right? This is what you're living for, right? What could be possibly be more important than this? Patrick Mahomes responded, well, my Christian faith plays a role in everything that I do, actually. My life is not about winning football games. And all the Chiefs fans are like, don't say that today. We, we need you to be all about winning football games. But it's just not. Is it possible that winning the Super Bowl means more to fans than it does to the players? It's not about winning football games. He's not saying he doesn't care. I'm sure he cares. I'm sure he's going to do everything to try to win this game today. He's just saying there's something more. It's about glorifying God. I have no pressure then when I step out on that Super Bowl field. I know why I'm here. It isn't to put a spotlight on me. It's so, as Jesus says in our gospel from Matthew that we read a few weeks ago, 
Let your light shine before the world so the world will see your good and glorify the Father in heaven who gave it to you. I'm here to glorify God. I know why I'm here. I know the purpose for which I'm going out onto the field today. And yeah, I want to win. Of course he wants to win. He wants his team to win. He wants Chiefs Nation to be able to celebrate. He wants all that stuff. But above all, he wants to glorify God. I mean, if you take him at his word, and I do, if you're an Eagles fan, you're like, oh, they got the Christian quarterback. Too bad. So do you. Jalen Hurts, same question. Well, I was going through some tough things in college. You know, I got benched in front of the whole world. Talk about humiliating. I was blessed, though, to grow, to learn things, to mature. My strength comes from God, who I keep at the center, the center of my life. I just want to be who God called me to be. And Hertz believes that phrase so much, he has it plastered on this cover page of his Twitter, and it's been there for a long time. Be who God calls you to be. Be who God calls you to be. I'm here to give glory to God. I'm here with God at the center of my life. I've discovered in my life that in difficult times where the whole world is doubting me and saying, no way, that God makes a way where there is no way. I'm living my life for God, they both say. So doesn't that kind of beg the question? And it's a big question. It's a first order question of life, the philosophers call it, which is what on earth are we doing here? If you were given a microphone this week, if the media surrounded you and say, well, well, you know, what, what is it that you're living for? What are you doing here on earth? How far down the list would you have to go to say, I'm here to glorify God? Would you talk about your career? Would you talk about your life goals? Would you talk about your family, your friends, your hobbies, your passions? Your, your individual pursuits, your, your, the things that you're a part of. How far down the list would you go before you said what these young men, 20-something-year-olds, said in front of the whole world when they had every opportunity to say anything but Jesus, they said Jesus. When they had an opportunity to talk about because the questions were led in such a way, they weren't like, tell us about your faith. The questions were, tell us what makes you tick. Tell us what you're living for. Tell us what matters to you when you're running out in the field. Fully assuming they both say, well, this matters more than anything. What could possibly be bigger than this game and winning this game? And both of them said, actually, quite a bit more. What on earth are we doing here? It's a first-order question. Other questions are important, but they're not first-order, meaning-of-life questions like, what are we going to have for lunch? Uh, You know, where are we going to travel later this year? What am I going to wear this week? What what, what am I going to do? What are my plans? This is a question we should ask once in a while. And thank you to these two young men for pointing us to it. They told us what they're doing here. And why they're excited to go out on the field today. It's to let their light shine for the glory of God. What would make your life super? What would fill you up? What victory do you need? What trophy do you need? What trophy do your kids need? Or you, you, you need your kids to win? What, what, what accolades do they need to get? What, what, what pursuits? What are you living your life for? What on earth are we here for? Which leads us right deep into the heart of our Bible reading for today. The story from Mark chapter 6, rather well-known story. Even if you're not a church person, you probably heard something somewhere along the way about the miracle of Jesus feeding 5,000 men plus their families with just five loaves of bread and two fish. The disciples saw it as a problem. The problem is the math. The problem is the numbers don't add up, Jesus. We got five loaves of bread, we got two fish, 
And that does not equal the ability, or anywhere close to the ability, to feed 5,000. There's no way. It just doesn't add, oh, thank you. There's no way. You are good listeners. Not only have you flooded this church lobby with donations of food, give yourselves a pet. Praise God for the generous giving in this church. But you're listening to my sermon better than I'm listening to it as I preach it. Five plus two does not equal 5,000. There's no possibility that's going to happen. It just doesn't add up. There's no way. Yeah, there's a way, Jesus says. And those of you who are visual learners, I want you to look at this clip and I want you to note the contrast between the wisdom of the world, which the disciples are fully adopting, and for good reason. It's just logical. Hey, this doesn't add up. But then I want you to look for something deeper. Look at how Jesus sees it. And ask yourself, how do I see it? More the way the world sees problems or the way Jesus sees problems? Who am I with? We're going to have to settle the issue of lordship in our lives at some point and ask this first order question. Who gets to tell us what we live for? Who gets to provide the pathway? Who gets to give us the directions? Who gets to show us the way? Take a look. Find yourself in the story. The kingdom is so valuable that once you have glimpsed it, it's worth parting with everything you have in order to gain it. We shouldn't burden it. Even though to others you might look like a fool, throwing away your life savings to buy what would look to others an unremarkable field. But you know of the hidden treasure. That makes it worth everything. Have you come closer to here better? No, there, there is an issue. My friends, if you'll excuse me, I must speak with my students a moment. Rabbi, mm. people are out of food. Some have been without food for days, others have traveled a great distance. So, give them something to eat. We're out of food. They're out of food. Is it time to send them home? Well, at this point, they're so hungry and tired, if we send them home, they're faint along the way. You knew they were hungry? Yes, Judas. I can see them while I'm talking. Hmm. <laughs> well, this is a tough one. Where can we buy some bread for all these people? We only came with a little over 200 denarii. Rabbi, that's not even enough to get a little bit for everyone. I wouldn't even know how to calculate that. Matthew and I can calculate that. That's really easy. Maybe if we go into the cities, we can negotiate something on credit. Yes. Yes, that could work. Negotiate with whom? The closest city is Abila, and its entire population is here. Can you bring me anything? Surely there's some food from someone, even a small amount. Five loaves of bread and two fish. What is this for so many? Barley loaves. Two fish and five barley loaves. Thank you for clarifying. This is humiliating. John? He will take care of it if he wants to. 
This is wonderful bread, Telemachus. I know it's not enough. Oh, it's enough for me. I can do a lot with this. Do you live with that awareness? That there is a God? There is Jesus? There is his Holy Spirit? Who can do a lot with whatever we bring him? Who can multiply the, the loaves and the fish that we bring, the offerings that we give? Do you live with an openness to the miracles of God? Do you see the problems in this world, the problems in your life? Do you see them through the eyes of this world and say, well, it's bigger than what we can handle. There's not much we can do here. Or do you see them the way Jesus sees them? It's not just the problem of feeding 5,000. It really kind of pushes the question of how do we see the challenges around us? Big article in the Des Moines Register just a week or two ago saying food pantry shelves are empty at a level they haven't been for years. Well, we could do something about that. One in 14 Iowans struggle with food insecurity. One in nine children struggle with food insecurity. I know I'm preaching to some people who that's you. We should be giving to you today. You shouldn't be giving. We, we should be giving to you. What, what about the 25,000 plus? What, what about the people who are surviving the 25,000 plus, mourning the death of 25,000 plus people in the earthquake in Turkey and Syria recently? Can you imagine the devastation? Can you imagine the hurt and the pain and the sorrow? Over 6,000 buildings just collapsed. Did you see any of those videos that are, that are circulating all over social media? Absolutely devastating. What do we do? We just say, oh, it's just a bigger problem than we can handle. I went to the funeral this last week for these two young men. It was a, a double funeral for Gianni and Rashad. Gunned down while they're trying to get their lives back on track. I talked to Will Keeps, the guy, the guy who leads this outreach for, for, for young people like this who are trying to turn their lives around, the concern that it was a gang-related shooting and, and that there's rumors that there might be retaliation. We're not talking about Chicago. We're not talking about St. Louis. We're not talking about Minneapolis. We're talking about Des Moines, Iowa, our neighbors, our community. What do you do with that? So, well, this is a bigger problem than we can handle. And you know what? It's all their problem. Some of the people who have food insecurity, at least some of them, right? We, 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 the world says and tells us, and we got all sorts of voices. It's, it's their fault. They made bad decisions. Or if this economy would just turn around, that would take care of it. That, that's really where we need to keep our focus. That's what it's all about. And, and you realize what that allows us to do. It allows us to distance ourselves from it. I mean, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Not according to the wisdom of this world. The wisdom of this world says you just take care of yourself. Fend for yourself, the, the people you like, family, friends, neighbors, maybe some co-workers or classmates. That, that, that's who you have a responsibility for at the most. But you certainly don't have a responsibility for people you don't know. You don't have a responsibility for people who don't uh, share the same values you do, have the same worldview you do. Aren't citizens of the same nation you are? Uh, don't, 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 don't do life the way you do life. Don't part their hair the same way you part your hair. I mean, we can come up with all sorts of reasons not to help, not to be a part of the solution. Is it possible that the feeding of the 5,000 miracle isn't just for the people who are fed, but it's for the disciples? It's to teach them and remind them what on earth they're doing here? 
Is it possible that the Super Bowl food drive isn't just about us feeding hungry people, people who are struggling with food insecurity, our neighbors here in the Des Moines area in central Iowa, but it's for us who give, who donate, who see it the way God wants us to see it, so that we can, among other things, remember who we are and remember the purpose for which we've been created And it isn't about us. It isn't about consuming more. It isn't about getting more. It isn't about achieving more, uh, 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 achieving more, uh, 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 having more pleasure, getting more things, traveling to more places. Listen to the quarterbacks today. It isn't first and foremost about winning this game. It's about giving glory to God, win or lose. It's about living my life for something bigger than me. And bigger than my friends. And bigger than the people around me. It's about putting my roots down into the timeless truth of God's word. That we're diving into in the deepest ways this year as a church. It isn't about pointing people to our programs. It isn't about telling people uh, uh, we want you to just show up for these things. It isn't just saying well make sure you read the Bible just so you can say you read it. It's to have an encounter with the God who made us so that we can tap in, tap in to his miracles, to his timeless truth, to his healing, to his life, to his breath, to his purpose, to his answers, to the first order questions of life. What on earth are we doing here? We're here to serve. We're here to give. We're here to bring God our five loaves and our two fish and say, God, we want to be a part of what you're doing. And this is a really important point. It isn't even just about, God, we're going to do our best for you. It isn't about these football players saying, I'm going to do my best for you. It's about us setting our sails to the wind of God's Holy Spirit. It's about us instead looking around and saying, God, I want you to come and bless the stuff we're trying to do for other people or for you or for ourselves or whatever it might be. It's about us saying, God, what are you up to? What are you doing? What do you want to do with these problems? You want to just leave the shelves empty? You want to just say, well, who cares about them? People who we don't even know living half a world away? You want to say this is an urban problem and maybe if you don't live in an urban neighborhood, it's not your issue? Am I my brother's keeper? It's one of the oldest sins in the Bible. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And the accusation or the question is, of course, it's almost rhetorical. I don't have a responsibility to keep watch over my brother, to take care of his needs. And God says, yes, you do. And that will consistently be taught throughout the rest of the Old and the New Testaments. We are here to serve. We are here to give. We are here to love. Let me tell you who you are, the Bible says. You are people above all else. Even above pursuing religious kinds of gifts in order to be noticed or recognized. You are above all else called to be people of faith and hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. The Greek word for love is agape. It means a grace-based love. The Greek word for grace and the Greek word for joy come from the same root. What does that tell you? Maybe that we won't have joy until we learn to give things that people don't deserve and maybe haven't earned. What is it about us? It's almost like clockwork. You can just almost count on it. When there's an earthquake like there was in Turkey and Syria, within a day or two, we look for a scapegoat. Well, who's to blame? Who, who didn't build the buildings up to earthquake code? What, what, what's the problem? What, why did they put these all together? A hurricane hits. Well, that's what happens when you build a house on the coast, you know. 
Let's look for scapegoats. Let's look for a reason. Let's look for somebody to pin this on, which is also a story in the Bible that we're reading about these last couple of weeks. Find a scapegoat. That name, that word actually comes from Scripture. Find somebody to dump your sins upon. Of course, when Jesus shows up, he says, that's me, and I'll take your sins to the cross to set you free. Who are we living for? What are we doing here? What's the point and the purpose? To win football games? To get people to notice us? Did you bring your food in today? And you had a, a, a brass choir with you. Burr, 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 burr. Here comes the soup. Look at this person bringing in the soup and the, and, and the peanut butter. And look, wow, look at how they brought a whole case of. Burr, 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 burr. And so you make sure you come in a door where it's, you know, a little more crowded. You know, people will see you. There's no freedom in that. The same chapter of the Bible that says live for faith, hope, and love says if you're giving your gifts in order to get noticed, you get no credit. You get no, you'll, the only credit you'll get is whatever people praise you for. But there's no timelessness to that. There's no freedom to that. There's no grace in that. You're giving in order to get noticed. Look at this big cardboard check I'm giving. The Bible says give so that people don't even know you're giving. Do it in secret. Because God's captured your heart, which leads to the solution for us, not just the people who need help in our world, while well, we all need help at different times. But I'm talking about the disciples in this story. Jesus did the feeding of the 5,000, not just for the 5,000, but for the 12 who delivered the food. And I believe God calls us to do this Super Bowl food drive, not just to fill food pantry shelves and to feed our neighbors, but to make sure we remember who we are by experience, instead of just thinking about it. We actually have to get up and move. We actually have to go to the grocery store. We actually have to buy food. We actually have to bring it. And then, and then people show up and sort it and organize it and put it on trucks and, and, and drive it out to the food pantries. There's something about that where we discover, oh, this is what I'm here for. I'm here to give. I'm here to love. I'm here to serve. I'm here to have compassion. Everyone say compassion. Compassion is this word in our gospel reading for today. And in the Greek, the original text, it doesn't just mean people who care about other people. It gets to the motive for why we do. It gets to the heart. It says the compassion, this Greek word, starts from deep down inside, in our internal organs, in our hearts. And the one who had compassion, who sets the example for us, is Jesus. Follow your leader. The disciples saw the huge crowds and said, ooh, the math doesn't add up. There's no way. But Jesus saw the huge crowd and he started with compassion and it came from inside. He said, well, that's great. That's Jesus. Yeah, but you're the body of Christ. I'm the body of Christ. Together, we're the body of Christ. The church, two billion strong around the world. Wake up, sleeping giant. You aren't here just to consume. You're here to serve. How is it that the happiest people at Hope are the ones who are serving? Have you noticed that yet? They aren't just the ones who consume and take in and see what you can get out of this service and, 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 and evaluate it. They're the ones who have activated their faith, who are living out their faith that leads to hope, a whole new perspective, not just on the problems of this world, but the problems I face personally in my life because I start to see it the way God sees it now. Me against the problems of this world, even all of us together, a church of thousands against the problems of this world, good luck. We really don't have a whole lot of hope. 
but our God against these problems? So when it's his power, it's the wind of his spirit through our sails, well, that starts to change everything, and it starts with a change of heart. It doesn't do us much good to go through the motions of giving if we're just doing it for the wrong reasons. If we're doing it, now, giving for the wrong reasons is better than not giving at all. Do not get me wrong. But giving with our heart in the right place, man, that's going to change your whole life. That's going to set you free in a way that until you do, you will never really be free. That's going to lead to a joy. Remember, charis and kara, the Greek words for grace and joy, the same thing. Once you start offering grace to the world around you, it's going to give you a joy you can't get anywhere else. Because you've settled the issue of lordship and you're saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. Your timeless truth of your word. I'm going to live your way. You're the one who was involved in making me. Instead of this world who tries, tries really hard, uses lots of logic and reason. But once in a while it's good to hear the revelation of God instead of just the reasonableness of this world. Jesus saw the huge crowd and you notice he wasn't phased. What I love about the Chosen film series is they remind us the disciples were human beings just like us. Jesus was God and human. And he has a little fun with them. (laughs) Was I unclear on the instructions? Did you not get it? Did Did you not hear what I said? So what can we do? What can I do? What can you do? Number one, be who God calls you to be, like Jalen Hurt says on his Twitter. It's not about trying to become something you're not. This is in you. You've got this. God created you with this need to give, with this desire to have grace for the world around you. You and I, we've just been taught something else by this world. So peel back the layers and get back to who you really are so you can actually feel normal again, so that you can find freedom again. The world is really loud these days about talking about, well, we're against them, so they're dismissed. Or they're against you, so you're dismissed. Man, that's rough. And where's that taking us exactly? Where does that pathway lead? Be who God calls you to be. Grace-based givers who discover freedom and joy. And make a difference in the world, too, along the way. 1 Corinthians 12 says you're the body of Christ, individually members of it. Chapter 13 says be people of grace, faith, hope, and love, charity. Number two. Here's what we can do. We can get into the game. This is my favorite part. Mark chapter 6, verse 37, the disciples are like, okay, well, here's our fight. You asked us for food and baskets. We brought the baskets. Here's the five loaves of bread. Here's the two fish. If you want to do a miracle, do a miracle. Do you ever wonder why Jesus doesn't just snap his fingers and fix everything in this world? Why God doesn't, if God really cares, you know, goes the whole logic. If if God's all powerful and God's all good and God could fix these things, then why doesn't he? And so therefore that's proof there is no God. Hogwash. Look closer. Why doesn't God fix all these things? Well, he is fixing all these things. It's just that his plan A is you. And me. And us. Note in this story, this is really important. Jesus didn't feed the crowd. He took the bread and he blessed it and he gave it to you. To me, to us, to the disciples, to his followers. And he said, my favorite part of this whole story, you feed them. You feed them. You feed them. Trust me. They're going to be fed. Because it's now my power 
that you've tapped into, working through you, instead of you just doing the math of this world. You feed them. You get into the game. There's all sorts of different ways you can watch this game today, the Super Bowl, if you watch it at all. One is you can watch it on TV. Another is, I suppose, if you knew somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, you could pay billions of dollars to get a ticket. <laughs> You'd be one of 70,000 fans in the stands. But you know what they say about football games. There's 70,000 fans in the stands in desperate need of exercise and 22 players in the field in need of rest. That's the church. There's thousands of people in desperate need of activating their faith, of getting out of the stands and into the game. You're called into the game. You're called to go. You're called to serve. You're called to br just bring what you've got. You don't have to manufacture something you don't have. If you have the means to go get some groceries, go get some groceries. If you don't, let us know and we'll give them to you. This is what it means to settle the issue of lordship in our lives and to let God be God. Instead of trying to blend God in with the wisdom of this world, we, we test out the wisdom of this world on the timeless truth of God's word. Who says, I'm calling you into the game. Because I don't need to just heal this world, I need to heal you. I'm not just feeding the 5,000 for the 5,000. I'm feeding the 5,000 for the 12 disciples. I'm not just doing the Super Bowl food drive so food pantry shelves will be full. I'm doing the Super Bowl food drive through you so that you can remember who you are. When the disciples got that, man, that's when you start seeing miracles. Take a look. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the but to find some bread. If they've got bread, be ready. We'll probably be first. Feed them. What has changed? Are we... Organize the people into groups of 50 and 100. Gather up 12 baskets to distribute the loaves and fish. Was I unclear? Ah, oh, no. This feels familiar. Maybe. Let's go. Does anyone have a basket? Please borrow a basket. Come on. Feed them. Yes. Anyone have a basket? Anyone? Break up the bread. How need we have? Now you take some. There. That's the last of it. Yeah, that's the last of it. All right, Marcus, you can have your basket back. Is your basket full? Did you see this? 
Good news is God's got the food. He's provided. The bad news is it's still on the shelves of grocery stores. We need to redistribute it. We need to go to those stores, get that food, and get it to the places where it's needed the most. There are different ways to approach giving. At the bottom level, the level that isn't going to bless you at all, that isn't going to do anything for the world or you, you're going to say, it's somebody else's problem. I'm not going to be involved. And there's never going to be any freedom or joy there for you. And you're just going to get more cynical. I mean, how's that really going for you? What's that done to your heart, to your soul? The next level is to say, oh, I guess i got to do my part. Okay, I'll go. Everybody's doing it. I don't want people to think I'm a terrible bottom-level giver, so I'm going to give a little. Hopefully not too much. Prices are terrible, right? Inflation, yikes. I get it. Stay inside your budget. Stay, I don't want you to go broke to do this. Next level up. We give because it's who we are. We give because God's gotten into our hearts. We give because we have the same heart as the body of Christ that Christ has. A heart that sees the need and has compassion first. Instead of all the wisdom of this world that says, here's why we don't have to help. Let God call the place. And then expect miracles. Then we start to see everything change. Once we let God move through us. What can I do? What can you do? What can we do? The world says there's no way you can fill all the food. One church is going to fill all the food pantries of all the, all the places in central Iowa. No way. You feed them. You feed them. You go. And when you do, I save the best for last. There's freedom for you. Not just food for them. Not just offerings. There's special offerings you can give today too for uh, earthquake victims in Turkey and Syria. There's things that Hope is doing actively behind the scenes to, to try to build bridges of harmony between people who want to kill each other and shoot each other in this community. I'm not saying that because I want our church to get any credit for it. In fact, we're very humbly coming to that table. We just want to be a part of it. We want to look around and say, God, what are you doing about this? Because I know you want to do something. You don't want to just leave it status quo. What are you doing? This is a problem in Des Moines. And it's been a problem for decades. It's one of the reasons decades ago Billy Graham wouldn't come to this city. Because he couldn't get enough cooperation from the churches. Because they were all at each other. Competing with each other. For the 999th time, we are not competing with other churches in Des Moines. We're on the same team. We are here to serve and to give and to let God's spirit move through us. We are not here to say we're the best church or the biggest church. My goodness, they put my face on the cover of some mailer this week. I had no idea they were going to do that. So if you got that, I'm sorry. And if it's at the bottom of your birdcage, I get it. But there it is. And there are all these places that say, well, who's the best church? And who, uh, uh, f- fill out our survey. Nonsense. We're not corner gas stations competing against each other. We're on the same team. We're here to let God's light shine through us. And until Des Moines churches and ministries learn that and drop the, the, the pride and find the humility of Jesus Christ at the table. You know why a lot of this stuff isn't getting done? Because everybody's worried about who's going to get credit. And if it isn't us, if we aren't going to get enough attention or recognition for it, then oh well, I guess we don't really want to get involved. Let's do better. Let's be a church after God's own heart. And I'm not just talking about hope. I'm talking about the church in this community. 
When we do, that's when the joy comes. Not just for the people who have issues and challenges that we can serve, but for the servers, for the givers, for the church, so that we can remember who we are. I came into this world to give you my joy. Yes, so that your joy would overflow, Jesus says. Do you have that? You say, well, in order for me to have joy, all the problems of the world have to go away. No, they don't. That's the wisdom of this world. God has a different calculation, different calculator, a different math. He says, these problems in a fallen world will always be with you. So let me change your heart. Let me give you a heart of compassion. Instead of a heart that says, not me. No, I'm not my brother's keeper. Let me call you into the game. Get you activated in your faith instead of just consuming it. And then let me call the plays. So that you can start to see miracles. Which produces the freedom and the joy. 45 second clip and then we'll sing a song and go home. Take a look. I've kept you here all this time giving you spiritual food. But you clearly need actual food now. So let's eat. find yourself in the story yet that could be you the happiest people at hope are the ones who are active in their faith who are giving and serving and volunteering and using what they've got their loaves their fish and bringing it to God and saying all right I want to be a part of what you're doing God that's where the party comes so it's party time hope I'm not just talking about the football game or the chip dip that you got I'm talking about you discovering who you are and what on earth you're here for. Whether you're watching a football game, going to work, going to school, hanging out with your friends, all by yourself, and all the above, that you know who you are. You know why you're here. Let's give glory to God. Amen. Let's stand and sing.